We know that over the past few years, e-commerce has changed a lot. But we have to ask ourselves, is it actually better or worse? Is it easier or harder? In this episode, I bring in Bradley Sutton from Helium 10, and we're basically going to discuss this question. Is e-commerce harder, and is it still worth doing? It's going to be a great episode. Listen to the end, and here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Tim Jordan, your host of the AMPM Podcast. In this episode, I have my good friend Bradley Sutton from Helium 10, most of which you know, or most of you would know, I would say, is that the right mm-hmm. wording? And Bradley is the host of the Serious Sellers Podcast. He is, what's your actual title, the Chief Evangelist? Yes, Chief Evangelist, spreading the gospel of Helium 10 <laughs> and Director <laughs> of, of Training. <laughs> not just of Helium 10, but of selling online in general. And, you know, Amazon has like been the gateway drug for a lot of us. I think it's safe to say that both mine and Bradley's lives were substantially changed by Amazon. Um, we never expected to be sitting together in an office. We, we never would have met each other and definitely wouldn't be sitting in a tech company's office. Like Software is the farthest thing from my expected line of career that I could possibly imagine. Here I am sitting in the office of a tech company uh, putting together a podcast, which is super strange to me. So e-commerce has changed a lot of people's lives for better in the whole community we see massive uh, wealth gain. We see massive uh, freedom gain, all those great things. But a lot of people right now say, well, that's because you got into the golden years. Like you were in in 2012 or 2015 or 2017 when e-commerce, especially on marketplaces, became um, very, I won't say mainstream, but like more accepted and more people were involved in it because it was a lot easier than a lot of other business startups, right? So that's the question that we want to ask is like, Bradley and I got lucky. We'll say that. Like, I think that's a fair statement to make, right? Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we got lucky, but has that opportunity passed for other people? Like, Mm -hmm. has that ship sailed? Are we preaching this gospel of e-com entrepreneurship and it's too late for everybody else? That's the question we're going to talk about. So Bradley, I think that it's been like two years since you've been on the AMPM podcast, right? Yeah, you weren't. It was Manny. It was still the it host. It was Manny when Manny was days. still the host. Yeah. So, Bradley, give us like a five minute history of like how you got started in Amazon e commerce. I was, um, I've been in e commerce for a long time, uh, indirectly. You know, it was kind of like uh, in the first Fast and Furious movie, just to kind of date myself there. Um, I was about 20 years old. Um, Monica! And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> OG. It, it, the movies have kind of declined since then, the, the quality, but that's a side story. But yeah, I was all into it, and I was trying to like um, hook up my car. And I had a Korean car at the time. It was a Hyundai. Now, now nowadays, like Hyundai and Kia, they're like you know top of the line, great, great. Um, those days, it, you had a Hyundai or Kia, you're the laughing stock of your neighborhood. You know, everybody wanted a Honda. You didn't have a Civic, yeah, right? Sucked, right. So um, it was hard to find parts, but I wanted to do those kind of things. I saw in the Fast and Furious movie for my car, and so in Korea. The, in Korea, Hyundai and Kia, that's that's the Honda and Toyota of that country. So they, they had tons of companies that were making cool parts for those cars. And so I was, me, I always, I think I've always had like an entrepreneurial mindset. So I saw a company who was making a lot of stuff and they were trying to sell in the USA. I'm like, hey guys, I need stuff for my car, 
but you guys are drop are, are shipping this stuff from Korea to the United States. You know, it's taking it's I'm ordering this. It's going to take me a month and a half to get there. How about we join together and start a warehouse and let me run your U.S. operations? And the guy was like, shoot, let's do it. So I was basically it was a dot com website and I was basically running the U.S. operations and it became a million dollar business. And it was it was great. You know, I got all my car parts for free and that was like my became my full time job. So I went in and out of that over the years. I was in I was in also corporate corporate America, too. Which you know wasn't fun, but hey, you need to you need to feed yep. your family, right? Um, and then, so one of my old partners from that that Korean company was like, "Hey, we're starting this thing. We're going to start importing phone cases." And we found this company in LA who has a dot com, their huge dot com website for like phone accessories and things like that. Why don't you come work with us as a startup? Let's see what we can do. And that's why I was like, "All right, let me do it." I left corporate America, and then I was like, let, "Let's let's try selling these phone cases." And they just blew up, not on their website. But that was right around the time, like 2014, 2015, that Amazon started blowing up and they didn't know what they were doing on Amazon. And they started selling thousands of units a day of these phone cases. And we were importing 20 and 40 foot containers a week. You can imagine how many little phone cases fit in a 20 and 40 foot container. That's how much volume they were doing. So that was kind of like my first exposure to to uh, Amazon right there back in 2015. So you were essentially first to the market, right? Like yeah especially with the car parts, even the phone case yep. stuff, nobody's doing it. And then my entrance was completely by accident. I was working as a firefighter and I had a side hustle with the state department and I had incredible wholesale price lists. In fact, this is no joke. Yesterday I was in Vegas and I met a lady who worked for Amazon in the brand protection department of automotive. Okay. She remembers me. So from 2015 and 16, I was selling wholesale automotive parts under map pricing, under a hidden company name, and sellers couldn't, or I'm sorry, the actual manufacturer couldn't find me, and she remembers me. Because I was the largest seller of oil and fuel and water filters on Amazon for like two years. Crazy. But anyways, um, I got into a back accident. Eventually, I got into private label and built my own brands. And even when I was like doing the private label thing, I got lucky because it was easy. Nobody else was going to China and meeting manufacturers. It was great. So, you know, we both got sucked into this world then of content and working in the industry to help educate other people. And we get this great network and like everything just keeps accelerating for us. But as Bradley and I sit around and we think about like the world of Amazon or the world of e-commerce, like at least myself, I have to ask myself, like, am I peddling snake oil? Like, is this all a bunch of dog crap? Because I say, Oh, this is great. It's changed my life. I made so much money, yada, yada. But like, can people do it now? And that's the question that we're going to ask. So let's talk about some of the reasons, Bradley, of like why it was easy for us. Like, yeah, we got lucky in timing, but the timing was based on some parameters that existed in the world of e-commerce, specifically marketplace selling, um, that aligned with like our timing. So one of those things is marketplace, right? So talk briefly about like why marketplace, so Amazon, eBay, mm -hmm. Walmart, whatever it is, created a big change in the ease of which we can start a business compared to a dot-com site, like direct consumer. Yeah. When marketplaces became really, really big for third-party sellers, like why was that such a tremendous opportunity for us? Well, that, that was one of the, that's the biggest, one of the biggest struggles for anybody who's trying to start on dot-com. It's like, well, I make a dot-com. That doesn't mean that I just have a, instantly tons of traffic. You know, how do you get people to even know you have that dot-com? Well, you know, are you big in social media or are you big on message boards? You know, do you have some big kind of advertising campaign where you can bring bring the eyeballs to your market? That, that was what, how Amazon was kind of the hashtag game changer 
was they they're bringing all the customers to you. You just have to have your your kind of offering up, and and you don't have to worry about bringing in outside traffic. You just got to be visible on Amazon. If you figure that part uh, out on it, which in those days it was pretty easy, just throw something up, brand new product, and you're you're on page one because there's there's nobody else uh, you know selling it. That that was what really changed the game for people who are who are into e-commerce. And Amazon's been blamed for shutting down the shopping mall industry. Like every city in the world that had a big shopping mall, like those shopping malls are closing because people mm-hmm. have stopped going to shopping malls. But it's funny to think like Amazon is a shopping mall, right? If I walked into a shopping mall, I walked into one building and there was a lot of different brands, a lot of different stores, yeah. a lot of different options. So just because my feet were on the ground in that store, I would walk past or in that mall, I would walk past a store I didn't know existed and I'd sure. go check it out or I'd see something on a mannequin and go, okay, those pants would make my butt look great. Actually, I've never said that in my life, but <laughs> sorry. It's, I, I can't help but say dumb stuff from Bradley's round. But Amazon essentially did that same model, but online. Like you show up to Amazon and we'll show you different products. Like you've got the foot traffic there. So it was kind of like for us, what putting a little small kiosk or store front would have been in a shopping mall 20 years ago, which I think is like a weird, a weird analogy, but it's interesting. So marketplace has definitely made a big difference. Now, when the traffic came to the marketplaces, specifically Amazon, hundreds of thousands of people a year were dropping in Amazon. There weren't a lot of people selling on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think back to like 2012, or I really wasn't even in Amazon then, but people talk about like I was selling used textbooks. Well, then if you look at the history of Amazon, they started accepting third-party sellers for everything, but people didn't know it. So there was that golden era of like 2014, 15, 16, when people were coming to Amazon, Amazon was allowing third-party sellers, but nobody knew it yet, right? And that's when like you could sell anything. Um, do you remember that time as I do is like being very low competition? You could literally list anything and people people were buying yeah. it. You'd rank instantly. I mean, I mean, that example I just gave phone cases. I mean, that's cliche nowadays, right? But it was literally there's no, no one out there. And, and we this company didn't know anything they were doing. You know, they didn't know about search, find, buy. They didn't know about how the Amazon algorithm works. Most of it was even fulfilled by merchant. They weren't even taking advantage of FBA. And just by throwing it up there, and the one unique thing they did is they're one of the first ones on Amazon to do this, is they were doing 3D imaging for their their phone cases, and nobody was doing that on the listing photos. On the listing photos, yeah. And so the, it just became really uh, popular. And yeah, you just threw it up there, and they were just making tons of money. And they're a perfect example of of why it, the argument could be made. Yes, is it more difficult now because now you know that that phone case business business is literally dead. You know, went from it went from you know they were the top on Amazon to now they completely went out of business and. One of the many examples uh, with that company that shows that things are technically harder. Um, here's something, you know, you, you know so much about my backstory, but here's something I don't think you know. And I'm kind of throwing myself under the bus for this, but I really didn't know much about Amazon in those days. I was mainly the logistics and sales guy. I'd go out, pound the pavement, and I would also, you know, send everything to FBA and sticker everything and stuff. But there was a time where the phone case business was getting a little bit hard and they, we needed to make money. And and one of the reasons was, and this is this actually everybody knows about, you might not know about it, but one of our business partners got kidnapped in China by the mafia. And I had to sign like my life away basically as a ransom to get them out. Like I would pay them $75,000 over this, you know, certain amount of time, um, which I didn't have. We we're just living paycheck to paycheck. And so one of the, we were like, how are we going to make this money? You know, the phone case business is going down. You know, I, I had to literally go to like a, the mafia, the Chinese mafia had a, a lawyer in LA based in LA. And they made me go to the office and, and sign like, Hey, um, you know, I have to, I'm going to pay this. And then it wasn't in the contract, but it's kind of like, we know where you live if you don't pay it kind of thing in your family. Wow. So, so, I did an episode about this a couple of years ago, but anyways, so we're like, well, how are we going to make this money? And so 
one of the, this was around the time that hoverboards were going really popular, right? And we're, they were going for like four or five, six hundred dollars. And we found this factory that was making them into drop shipping and stuff. And we were only paying like less than a hundred. So we're like, hey, this is a great way to do money, but like we can't make our own listing. And again, I didn't know much about Amazon in those days. So, you know, you guys will hate me, but we're like, well, this, I found these, these listings where this is the exact same one. So why don't we just put our listing right there and just undercut them? And, and in about one month, we did about $200,000 worth of these hoverboards on somebody else's listing, which now, as we all know, this is called hijacking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going on. And check this out. Um, you don't know this. Recently, I found out who that was. And it's our one of our mutual contacts. And he doesn't know it. <laughs> that was me. And it's so weird because now we're kind of like friends. And I, I know who it is. I was looking at it and then... I was like, wait a minute, this was his wife who was sending me these cease and desist letters because I remember her name now that I'm like, I know this person too. I'm like, oh my goodness, these are the people who we were screwing over for a couple hundred thousand dollars. I think we should out you right now. We, we're probably we're not gonna out, we're not gonna mention the name here. <laughs> Come on! Hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. But I recently Ooh. realized in the last year who it was. I didn't I haven't told him or anything because that, that's terrible. You know, I feel bad. But but again, the, the point of this is the reason <laughs> I'm doing this is not to out me, but it's because. In those days, you could almost do anything. Like yeah. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and I made two hundred thousand dollars on hoverboards just by hijacking a, a listing. And 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 those days, uh, you know, thankfully are gone. But but yeah, well, um, we're gonna discuss this off camera. Yes. We're, we're gonna have a uh, an intervention when we sit with him in Vegas in a week. Oh, that's have. right. We're gonna see. <laughs> yes, we're gonna see Vegas. So anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, you can get away with anything for sure. Made it easy. Another thing that made it easy was corporations couldn't keep up. Yeah, like I was at a show. IRC was it IRC? IRCE mm -hmm. in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. And I was having lunch at just a random table, like in the cafeteria, and some guy was sitting next to me. I was talking about Amazon, and I just kept talking about ranking and all this stuff. This is like 2018. And after like 45 minutes of just me rambling, this guy hands me his business card. He says, I don't want to offer you a job. So, what kind of job? I look, and his card said Mars Corporation. Like, Mars Corporation owns more food brands almost than Heinz. Mm. And Mars is the largest manufacturer of pet food in the country. They own Pedigree, Purina, like everybody, right? And he runs the pet food division. And he told me, he's like, we have hired like seven Harvard MBAs to run our Amazon storefront. And they have no clue what they're doing. He's like, I'll give you, he, he was like, I'll give you a six-figure salary. You can work from home. Teach my guys how to do this. <clears throat> And I was amazed. Like, I'd never been offered a six-figure salary before. Mm -hmm. This is like the VP of Mars Corporation who runs their entire pet product line. And, of course, I didn't take the position, but it made me realize, like, these big corporations couldn't keep up. So yeah. there was a time where we were so fast and so nimble and we, we learned so much and we were so um, flexible that, like, the big corporations that normally compete with us couldn't. Now, that's changed a lot. And that has changed the landscape of especially marketplace e-commerce because – now they have the education and they can definitely outspend us. They can outbudget us. They can outinvest out us, made things harder. But that was big. Um, also, back then, there were not a lot of tools yeah. that made it easy to sell. Now, this sounds counterintuitive. It's mm -hmm. like you would think that one of the things that would make selling on Amazon or, or selling e-commerce easy is because there are more tools. But before we started recording, you said, actually, it was easier to sell before there was a ton of tools. Yeah. Right. Can you explain that? Yeah. So it's like you know, it was kind of level playing field, you know, for everybody and you can get lucky, you know? So, so in my, in my opinion, it's definitely in infinitely more difficult to get lucky on Amazon nowadays, just by, by chance. Uh, but in those days it was, and it's because, you know, that people didn't have tools and different insights. So 
I guess, you know, like you said, the counter argument almost could be made. Is it easier to sell on Amazon now because we have tools like Helium 10 that give you so much insight? I'm not sure because of the, there's so many people who have it, but it's like it's easier to have metrics and know exactly what you're doing. So I would say that the tools, the increase in tools made selling on Amazon easier. Yes. But it made the competition exactly. much fiercer exactly. because anybody could replicate what we were doing and everybody had the same data and the insights yep. and all those things. So it was easier to dominate before the tools all existed. Now it's easier to figure out how to do what we need to do, but because yep. it's easier, there's a lot more people involved. Yep. yep. All right. So the things I'm looking at my notes, things that made it easy. Um, there was the dawn of the marketplace, much less competition. Corporations couldn't keep up. Um, we could get away with murder nearly, right? Yeah. I probably shouldn't use that in context mm -hmm. of the Chinese mafia, but yeah. we get away with a lot of stuff. And because there weren't a lot of tools and solutions and guidance, not a lot of people were easily able to figure out what we were figuring out. Now it's different. Like when we started the episode, we said, Hey, it's different. Now we will admit like 2022, sure. the landscape of e-commerce selling, specific marketplace selling is like radically different and it is more difficult. Now when we get a little further in the episode. We're going to tell you why I believe that the difficulty is an advantage to us, sure. but we have to admit like it's more difficult. Yeah. Um, the first thing that creates difficulty for us now that things change is there are a lot more sellers and a lot more competition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more sellers, a lot more competition and and things are are getting filled up where where, you know, I use the example of phone cases, collagen peptides, you know, garlic presses. It's like it's not like, OK, that those will make a comeback later. No, that's done. You know, th those guys are established. You're not going to break into that market. But to me, the the flip side is like product research is a little bit more easy because now you would have had to like look into finding the next fidget spinner at the right time. But now with tools, and, and I'm not just talking about Helium 10 or Amazon tools. I'm talking about, you know, Etsy and Pinterest. And now you can Google catch analytics like trends, Google and, yeah. Analytics and all these ways. You can kind of like, you don't have to luck into a niche anymore. You can actually do filters and different things where you can say, oh, there's a trend here that this is blowing up on TikTok. This is about to blow up on Amazon. So that that sense, it, it's a little bit easier. But yeah, the competition is just, you know, crazy. And and not everybody's using these tools. Really. Like, you know, you look at the Chrome extension, it says Helium 10 has 700,000 active Chrome members. I mean, how many Amazon sellers are there in the world? That, that's a, that's that's for the world, 700,000 active people using Helium 10 Chrome. How many millions or, or tens of millions of sellers are there? Yeah. So it's not like everybody's using the tools right now. Not the same tools, at least. Yeah. Um, I remember when you, and, and we have to talk about Chinese sellers. Sure. Right. I remember when we first started selling and there were very few Chinese sellers. And we talked about how bad it was when the Chinese sellers showed up. It's like, oh man, competition just went to the roof. The manufacturers we were using are selling directly. Mm. Like this is a problem that's making things harder. And then after a while we realized, hey, this is actually an advantage to us because even though the Chinese sellers are on there, like we're better marketers, right? Like we understand the system better. And then that continued to evolve where now Chinese sellers are some of the best in the industry, sure. yeah. right? Like you can't tell the difference between a Chinese built listing and, you know, a U.S. built listing yeah. or a European built listing. Like, Things just keep getting harder and harder and harder. Another thing that adds complexity is to grow, you have to complicate your business. And what I mean by that is even if I have a brand that I've been selling for three years and it's made me a lot of money, if I'm going to continue to compete, I have to expand that thing. I have to expand to different marketplaces, expand to different countries. Like selling a product, it used to be I could sell anything in Canada. It was easy. I could ship all sorts of crap to Europe and it was easy. Brexit happened. 
People started tracking us down for VAT. Sales tax happened. Yeah, like remember yeah. in the U.S., like all 50 states, you had to register for sales tax. Um, there are a lot more restrictions. You used to be able to sell all sorts of crap. Now there's category restrictions, pesticide crap, and topicals. So that's definitely, definitely um, reviews. That's the, that's the number one thing. Reviews. And now, you know, back in the day, not only was it allowed, it was actually encouraged to incentivize reviews. Amazon even had that thing where, yeah, you go ahead and give this for free. And then we'll, we'll go ahead and just put a little badge on here that says it was an exchange. And, yeah. And now, you know, it's it's harder to get, you know, real verified written reviews. And, and that's launch. not just on Amazon. That's any marketplace. Any marketplace. I mean, the um, FTC is cracking down so much on on yeah. fake reviews. But going back to you mentioned China. To me, that um, that opens up another thing. Like when I was uh, when I was doing that car part business online 20 years ago, we had a factory in, in China and we were paying employees, which is pretty decent at the time. I, I, it was between like 30 and 90 dollars a month or something like that full time. Um, now they, they were they were living at the factory and, and we provide food and stuff like that. But if you if you try and go to to China now at factories, I mean it's ten x sometimes you know the, the salary. So where you, you could you, the profit margins back then was so big because you were just getting this stuff. No, our costs made have for gone nothing, up. You know, and and now you know shipping has gone up. You know, cost duties, to, tariffs, tariffs, all this stuff the, has gone up. So that makes it a little bit more difficult too. The thing about China, I call it the paradox of Porsches on dirt roads. And what I mean is I would go into China in the past, you were right before COVID, and I would go to these small, t- not not really small, but like very suburban towns, or like yeah. r- rural towns, like way out in the middle of nowhere, nothing but dirt roads. And you pull up to this, this dingy, dirty factory, and there's like 20 Porsches in the parking lot, right? And I'm like, how does this happen? And it's because the factories are making so much money that we need them more than they need us. And yeah. it used to be backwards, even eight years ago, like negotiating lower prices, better quality, lower MOQs. And the supply chain makes or breaks you in e-commerce, right? Like, I don't care how good you are at ranking and hacking and traffic. If you don't have a good product at a price that you can put margins on, it doesn't matter. Another thing that's happened that substantially increased our difficulty in creating e-commerce businesses is now those big businesses know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The Marses of the world, the Nikes of the world, like they are coming after us. I have a buddy who, well, they're coming after the market share, not specifically us. I remember I had a buddy, uh, Joe Roosterfin, who had a board game company called Roosterfin Toys or Roosterfin Games. And he started having some success on Amazon, a lot of success. And then like Mattel or Hasbro or someone decided, okay, we don't want him here. And they had the budget where they could literally just outbid him for every keyword he was attacking. It's like the way he described it, he's like, this giant billion dollar company just turned their cannon right at me and started firing. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's nothing I could do about it. Right now, before big corporations, the marketplaces, they didn't know how to do that. They didn't yeah. understand how to stop that, but now they do. Also, I think that we're starting to see a little bit of difficulty in e-commerce compared to six, seven years ago, because different brands or different product types work better on either a marketplace or D to C. Right. So some things that may have done really well on Amazon originally are too competitive. You have to go build a Shopify site. Some of the things that originally were on Facebook Marketplace or Etsy or, or Shopify now are better on Amazon. Are you seeing that like this, like this settling of the masses where like some things fit better into different niches or different, not different niches, but different channels, different sales platforms. And it, it is becoming more difficult because we have to figure out where it best fits into the global e-com system. Yeah. I mean, I haven't cracked that code. Because it's sometimes you can do things and you can kind of have some kind of predictability, but it's kind of hard. You know, like you said, it, it can go both ways. Some things are like better in brick and mortar. Some things are better on Facebook. Some things are better on Etsy. And, and then sometimes it goes back and forth with, with, with uh, 
where where it's better at. You know, for a while there was some some stuff we were actually, believe it or not, selling way more on on eBay than on Amazon, even in this day and age. And then there was a you know I talked to this company Creative out of, out of LA, and they do a lot of like furniture and and desks and things like that. They're like five x on Wayfair as opposed to Amazon. And so, you know, sometimes we get this mindset, everything is better no matter what on Amazon. And, and that's not, the, that's not, yeah. I mean, maybe it was a case, you know, in the glory days or something, but, but nowadays you, you got to kind of like make sure that you're, you're checking these other marketplaces out because you yeah. could be leaving money on the table if you're just trying to do only Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. We could sell anything. I tell people I used to be able to, like, if I wanted to, I could put a cat turd in a brown paper bag and sell it on Amazon for whatever I wanted. And now like, it is so difficult to figure out this. So I think we'd agree that like it is way harder now than it was back then. Yeah. Like, and we understand some of the reasons why it was easier then, some of the reasons why the complexity has gone up. But I assume that you feel like I do strongly that like e-commerce is still an amazing opportunity. So we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast, tens of thousands of people actually, that like are either e-commerce sellers trying to scale up or they're just entrepreneurial and they're thinking about e-commerce or something like we try to keep this podcast entrepreneurial from the eyes of an e-commerce seller, right? So if we agree that it's harder, why do you still think it's a good opportunity? Like break all this down now and tell me, Bradley, like we admit that it's difficult, but we also could probably make the statement that we're more excited now than we yeah. ever have been. Why? I mean, still, you can do stuff now that you never could have done, you know, like 20 years ago when I was getting to the, the Fast and Furious scene, like we had to really pound the pavement to get people to know about it. And the only way we were successful is because we were literally the only game in town and we had monopoly on the market and we were in every Facebook group. It still took a lot of work. You could not just go in and, and, and if, as long as you know the, you know, the keywords and you know that there's not that much competition you can confidently say you can go in and launch a product on Amazon and you kind of know what, what you're, what you're probably going to, going to hit as far as sales go. Like there's, there's nothing like that out there. And, and it's also the fact is, is that's a level playing field. You know, when we talk about, oh, yeah, uh, manufacturing costs are higher in China, shipping now takes three or four months as before. Now there's more competition. Well, guess what? That's the same thing that everybody has. It's not like somebody's got an advantage over somebody else. So, like, in my opinion, I still see I just interviewed somebody on the podcast the other day who who she said she learned her um, method of selling on Amazon just from watching Project X. That was it. She watched Project X, learned it. And within her first month, she, she hit like $40,000 of sales on one product. You know, and, and now she's scaled up. She's, she's now almost six figures per month. You think we could ask her for like a commission on that? We've got to. Like, we really messed up on that. You know, like, <laughs> we dropped the ball on that. <laughs> for those of you that don't know what Project X is, it's a free case study that Bradley and I did about getting started, like finding the right product. So yeah. for any of you that feel indebted to us, maybe if you watch that, we're going to set up a GoFundMe yes. page. It's going to go to mine and Bradley's expensive dinner fund when we're in yes, Vegas please. next next week. Um, okay. Anything else? No, that, that's pretty much it. Like, I just don't know of any other way to like just ramp up and take something, you know, where you don't need to come in with like, you know, $200,000, you know, as some startup fee and some huge loan. You can start with, you know, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars and you can make a decent business it, it, within just a couple of months. Like, I don't know of any other way to do that offline uh, with, with as little of the pool as you can with e-com. It doesn't exist. Now, I'll also say this. I love that it's more difficult. I love it because even though it is more difficult and it is more complex, it's not necessarily more complicated. Yeah. And the difference is complicated is like very, very difficult in the individual components. But complex just means there's a lot of individual components and all those components can be figured out. There's just more of them stacked up. And the reason I love it is because it forces us to be better. So the people that 
in 2015 that were making tons of money by accident, we don't have to deal with them now because they can't even get started. Like there's a barrier to entry. There's a moat. Right. And yes, it kind of stinks because we have to do more work. It's kind of like selling a Walmart. Like it's harder to get accepted at Walmart once you're there. Like you're kind of there by yourself. So it cuts out a lot of the riffraff. Right. Even though there's more competition in general, it cuts out a lot of that stuff. But it also means that it forces us to build something that's actually valuable. Right. When you were selling the cell phone, you said that that, that business is out of business. Mm-hmm. When I was selling oil filters like that business disappeared because I ran out of my supply chain, like I was cut off from the supplier. So even though it was easy, we were getting by, we were cheating the system and not building something that's long-term. I've mentioned a million times in this podcast, the book uh, built to sell, right? And like built to sell the whole premise is we have to build a business that's sellable, not saying we have to sell it, but like we're able to pull ourselves out of it. We're not, you know, relying on ourselves. And because it is more complex now, e-commerce, we are forced to create a more mature business. Now I didn't come from business. I don't have an MBA, right? I'm basically a college dropout, right? Bradley didn't come from like a Harvard MBA, you know, background where he knew how to run a business. Like we kind of figured this out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a problem because we forget the important things. We don't take care of our PLs. We don't take care of um, hiring the right kind of people. So because it's more complex now, it forces us to be more mature, more established And the great thing is about e-commerce is like the stakes have never been higher for success. We all know in at least the Amazon space, the world of the aggregators, right? Five or six years ago, selling a business was almost non-existent. A few years after that, there were very low multiples. Now people are becoming like overnight multimillionaires from spending 18 months building up an e-commerce business. And it's not just Amazon. It can be Shopify. It can be Walmart businesses, uh, Wayfair businesses, Chewy businesses, right? And when we look at the increase in wealth, like Bradley, you and I know a lot of multimillionaires now that are dummies, yeah. right? Like <laughs> they, they may be, they may be clever, but they're not actually that smart yeah. and they're not that educated and they didn't have a lot of resources. They didn't come from money. Like we know tons of them and it's because e-commerce. And what's interesting is those stakes go up constantly. I've got uh, some good friends over at investment bank, global wire advisors, right? That represent Amazon, um, well, e-commerce businesses. And like they put out these crazy reports that are showing how the value of these businesses is skyrocketing, right? Skyrocketing. So yes, we admit that business is harder now to get started, but I love that that barrier to entry exists. The moat exists where not everybody can do it. And if we will put in the time and effort to do it, the value and the wealth increase and all that stuff is like astronomically higher than it's ever been. And not saying it always is too hard to do. Like Bradley said, we've got people that, you know, we're instantly making 40,000 in sales a month and other than six figures a month. that have been after a year, you know, it can't happen. Anything else to add to that? Yeah. Kind of as our summary. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, everybody always just uses the, the example of, Hey, everything is sat- getting saturated, but yes, do things get saturated? Absolutely. But every time one thing gets saturated, then there's two new things that comes on. And now there's TikTok leggings and now there's all these weird things that you didn't even know existed. And you're actually wearing TikTok leggings right now. You and those do those do make my butt look. You uh, can't see better. it on camera, but Bradley yeah. does have butt enhancing TikTok <laughs> leggings on now. Yep, bought from Amazon. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> everybody needed that visual, I think. Yep. But you know, the point is that I, I cannot see it ever going. You know, the only time that selling on Amazon is not my number one, you know, place to start a business is if one day, you know, like 
the government decides Amazon's a monopoly or something, they make them split apart all these different businesses, and now it's you know more difficult. But like, th- there's nothing that is ever gonna. But there's always gonna them. be another marketplace. There's always gonna be another marketplace after that. So even even if that happens, that's not the end of the that's not the end of the world. Um, but there's just no replacing how we, we just talked about how difficult it is, but how easy it is to start a business, relatively speaking, when you're comparing it to like, oh, I need to start a company in the in the outside world, in the brick and mortar world. So it's, it's not as easy as it was in 2015, no. but it's still much easier than most businesses. Exactly. The exactly. Um, benefits are much higher. There are more tools. Um, we just have to do it the right way. So we have to be more careful, I guess, is, is the... Yeah. Would you agree with that? Like more we have careful. To- and then I, I love what you said a couple minutes ago about how it's forcing us to get our ducks in a row. You know, like, like that cell phone case company, they didn't have their ducks in a row because they didn't have to. They were just making hand over money, hand over fists, and then just all dis- disappeared. But now that we're forced to get our ducks in a row and get everything, um, get everything uh, correct. Now that helps the longevity of our business and it helps us. We're actually now building brands, yep. you know, as opposed to just, you know, worrying about that bottom line, we're building brands. And then that's, those are the people who are successful. Those are the people who are having these seven and sometimes eight figure exits and things like that. So I think it's safe to say that there's still never been a better time to be an entrepreneur because of e-commerce. And I've used this example before and, and this kind of story, but you know, when you look at the history of commerce for the past 3000 years, it was done the same way. Someone locally made something and sold to their local village or their community or their city and like your ability to sell was fairly limited, yeah. but only in the past 20 years and more so in the past 10 years, has it been possible for anybody in the world with a cell phone in their pocket to sell anything to anyone in the world. Like that's literally what's happened right now. And that that's under, so for thousands of years, it was done the same way. And just in like the past 10 or 15 or 20 years has that changed and it's escalating rapidly. So uh, moral of the story, the exits are bigger. The opportunities are bigger. Um, there are more tools, there are more resources, there's more education. You can't get lucky as easily, but if you take the time and you focus on this stuff, e-commerce is pretty powerful. And because it is a little more difficult, those barriers to entries exist. Um, it, it is cleaning up a lot of the trash that used to bog us down, and it's still an amazing time to be an entrepreneur. Any other final thoughts? Um, final thoughts going back to the um, that commission for Project X. So, okay, we're not going to ask for a commission, <laughs> but if you want to pay us back... Check out. You can actually uh, hang out with us in person uh, in about a week or two, depending on when you're listening to this, at the Prosper Show at the Helium 10 party. Buy us a drink. We're not going to ask your commission. Buy us a drink because they only give me a couple of drinks. Do they give you more than they a couple They give me like drinks? 60. I don't they know They only about give that. you two? That's, yeah, that's messed up. There's some favoritism going on with Helium 10 here behind the scenes. <laughs> but anyways, I need some drinks bought for me, and so does Tim. Uh, h10.me forward slash Prosper 2022. Uh, 90s kids like us, uh, we will we'll, uh, be stoked that we've got Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray um, singing there. We're, we're going to try and let's let's maybe bring the podcast, make an Amazon seller out of out of Mark McGrath here selling some merch. We could merch sell Sugar Ray. halos hanging on the corner of the, oh, the bedside four, four bed. bed. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, come, <laughs> like come three quarters of the people listening. Yeah. Like, what did they just say? Okay. Yeah, we just aged ourselves with that. Yeah, we did. Sugar Ray, look, look it up, you, you youngins uh, <laughs> out there. But come hang out with us. But in, in general, guys, um, you know, I'm sure Tim would agree. Going to conferences is absolutely great. You learn so much from the conference itself. You get as much, if not more, value uh, in the networking events that are that are before and after. So if you guys ever have a chance, even if you can't go to the actual conference itself, find these like little networking events. You know, Tim and I, we first met. I'm not even sure if he remembers. I didn't even realize it was him at a. Um, it was before I was working at Helium Ten. It was in Louisiana. It was something like Amazon. What was that? Amazon Boost. Amazon Boost. 
And then somebody invited me to like, hey, the, the, this Yahoo's got this like a kind of like rooftop party in the what do you call that special section of uh, Bourbon Mar- Street? Bourbon Street. And, and you were uh, there? Yeah, I was there. And I didn't, I, I didn't really I didn't know who you were, but I, I made sure to introduce myself to you because they said you were the host. I was like, I gotta I gotta thank huh. you. And then like a year later, I was like, wait a minute, that was Tim Jordan. I was like, now <laughs> and now we've been we've been brothers from another mother for the last few years. There's people I've met at conferences I've I, I've kept in touch with for five years. So guys, I did not know that's when we met. That's yep. incredible. Well, you you were um, I'm not sure if you remember much from from that night uh, from the stress, you know, being the from host. The stress. Yeah, the stress yes, of being yeah, the host. That, that was that's <laughs> well. There you go. There is the honest to goodness truth from Bradley and myself. We will admit that we got lucky. We will admit that e-commerce is much more complex, not complicated. It's much harder now than it used to be, but it's still a bigger opportunity than it's ever been. And if you are at all entrepreneur and want to get get something going, e-commerce is definitely needs to be a part of your bigger plan. So thank you all for listening. If you can't see the video, if you're watching Audible, where here in the office and Helium 10 together, um, which this is the first time we've both been on this podcast. Yep. And it's the first time we've ever done an in-person podcast mm-hmm. together, right? Yep. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but we appreciate y'all listening. We love you supporting the podcast. If you would, leave us a review. If you find any value in this, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening, whether it's Spotify or uh, iTunes or Google, or uh, if you're on the YouTube channel, give us a thumbs up and leave us a comment and let you know what you think about this episode. If y'all want any other topics, let us know. Leave it in the comment section. We appreciate you and we'll see you on next week's episode.